You're listening to the Story Shout Podcast, hosted by Kelsey Jones. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to destigmatizing failure and laughing at our normalcy. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Story Shout. My name is Kelsey Jones, and I am your host. Today, I am so excited to be joined with uh, Sarah Knight. She is a best-selling author whose latest book is Fuck No. And I actually started reading Sarah's books. Um, her first big book was The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. So, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. And I know you have a podcast too, right? I do. It's called the No Fucks Given Podcast with Sarah Knight. (laughs) That's awesome. So um, what we wanted to talk about today was you had talked about you're really bad at doing at not doing nothing. Right. I'm bad at doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So I know we talked a little bit about what that entails. And one thing you brought up, which I thought was really funny, was you said your husband's really good at just laying on the couch and kind of relaxing and literally not doing nothing. And my husband is the same way. So I don't know if it's a guy thing, but it's definitely really hard for me as well to just stay still. Yeah. So, and of course, none of this is to malign my husband. I wish that I had the ability that he had to just be perfectly content um, doing nothing. And by that, I, I mean, getting nothing accomplished. So for me, it's not even so much of an issue with relaxation as it is with being productive. And um, the funny thing is that my husband actually said to me a couple of years ago and a light went on, he said, I know why you like sunbathing so much because it means that you can relax, but you are getting something done because you're getting a tan. (laughs) And I was like, that's so true. Like I can't just sit on the couch and zone out um, and, and get nothing done, but I can lay on a chaise lounge in the sun. So I guess that's where, (laughs) that's where the line is drawn for me. That's funny. That makes me think I was telling my aunt the other day, cause I recently went to Phoenix for a family thing. And I told her, I love going to hotel rooms because I literally can't do anything there. So if I have downtime between a conference or whatever in the hotel room, there's nothing to clean. Um, there's no chores to do. And so it's actually really relaxing for me to be in a hotel room because it kind of forces me to not do anything. That is very relatable. It sounds like we are both people who use cleaning as a, a means of sort of de-stressing or just pouring our need for productivity or anxiety. For me, it's anxiety, um, not to speak for you, into some kind of, um, you know, like I said, some kind of results-oriented task. Uh, and one of the things, you know, that I love, love, love to do is read, but I often don't find that that equals a feeling of being productive. So I sort of don't let myself read until it's really late at night and I'm in bed and there is not a one more thing that I could possibly get done on the day. And then I kind of read myself into sleep. So I've been working on trying to let myself just, you know, quote unquote, relax and read during the day. But usually instead I get up and clean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that happens to me too. And I found too, sometimes I'll judge the type of book that I'm reading, whether or not I deserve, you know, I'm doing air quotes to read it or not. So like if it's fiction, you know, I might feel 
more guilty to read that versus something that's maybe like self-help, like your books or a business book, because then I feel like, oh, I'm actually learning, even though their studies have shown that any type of, of reading can increase your literacy and communication skills. But I find myself even judging the type of books that I read. I think a lot of people do that, um, you know, and I used to be a book editor myself for 15 years in New York City before I left that career to become a writer. And I have a lot of, you know, wonderful associations with reading. But I also, when I was a book editor, I had to read for work. So it was mm. like any kind of reading that I was doing of manuscripts that were submitted to me by literary agents or manuscripts that my authors sent me to edit that was all tied up with I'm getting work done. Um, so when I left that job and around the same time that I started writing The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck and creating this new career as the sort of self-help anti-guru uh, mm-hmm. five books later, it, it it was an adjustment that I really had to make where reading had been work and now it was back to being for pleasure. And it was like, how do I do this? I can't, I don't know how to approach reading for pleasure. Um, and so that's something, you know, that ironically, uh, I've had to deal with in my career of telling people, you know, you do you value your time, energy, and money, spend it on things that bring you joy and get rid of the things in your life that annoy you. Um, I have had to confront this aspect of my personality that is so dependent on productivity um, to, you know, to the detriment of being able to relax and enjoy myself. So it's an ongoing battle. Yeah. And as you're speaking, that made me think of, um, besides reading, Are there other things that you don't deem productive so then you don't do it even though you enjoy it? Like for me, I really like to color and I was even coloring before adult coloring books were were cool. Like in college, I would go buy like a Lisa Frank coloring book and color that because it was really relaxing. But that is truly to me something that's not productive because, you know, it's it's coloring. It's not like it's going to get framed in a museum somewhere. So sometimes I find myself, well, you never know. Yeah. I find myself um, not doing it, even though I actually really do enjoy that. Yeah. So this is something that, you know, I've, I've actually written about a lot in a couple of my books uh, in Get Your Shit Together, which is a book about, you know, harnessing your ability to be productive and organized uh, and set goals and achieve them, but also in Calm the Fuck Down, which is my book about anxiety. And in both of those books, I talk about how you really have to start associating productivity with self-care. You have to say mm-hmm. to yourself, for me, it would be going for a walk on the beach. You know, I left behind my career in New York. I moved to a tropical island. I live in the Dominican Republic now with my husband. Uh, and part of the reason I did that was to have a more peaceful life, to live on the ocean, to have access to the beach whenever I wanted it, because it really makes me feel good. I just love walking on the beach and looking at the water. And I had to start associating that kind of activity with being productive for the sake of my mental health. Um, And every time that I find myself in one of these kind of anxiety swirls where I'm like, I should be doing X, I should be doing Y, I should Mm -hmm. be writing or planning a talk or recording a podcast or whatever these, these tasks that you would associate with being productive are, I have to remember that 
going for a walk on the beach is productive because it helps me reset the quality of my mental health in order to do all of those other things well and with the appropriate amount of energy. So that's an ongoing battle for me. And it's something that I really make sure to tell my readers and my podcast listeners that, you know, you kind of have to learn how to treat your downtime like you would treat any other task and pencil it in, schedule it in and assign it value, you know, and productivity doesn't just have to be about doing something, you know, to get paid. It can be about doing something to make yourself feel better. I love that. That's so true. And I live in uh, Kansas City, so there's no beaches for me in sight, but (laughs) um, I totally get that. And I think letting yourself be bored is really important too. Like I saw on Twitter, this woman I follow, she said, you know, I'm taking the next week off work. What sh- what's something, you know, fun that I could do? And I told her that she needs to let herself just get bored out of her mind because that really does help your your mental capacity. And then when you actually go back to work, you feel rejuvenated. I mean, taking vacation and working during your vacation or diving into some you know, DIY project just to feel like you did something during your vacation can actually backfire like what you were talking about. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, having spent the last five or six years as a full-time writer uh, with very, very, very tight deadlines for most of that time on my various books, um, it was always really hard for me to take a day off. I was like, I have to get 500 words down. I have to get a thousand words down. You know, the deadline is approaching. Mm-hmm. If I don't do it today, then I'm going to have to do double tomorrow. But I found that on those days when I just said, I can't, my brain is not working, you know, for whatever reason, I cannot get this done and just walked away. The next day, I was so much more productive. And I hear this from so many of my friends that are in creative industries, whether they're writing for television, uh, whether they're writing music and lyrics, whether they're working on books of any variety. You know, I have a friend who's a novelist who says the same thing, and I write self-help books. When you take that day off that you've been dreading that you somehow think you don't deserve or that is going to be counterproductive to meeting your overall goal, it actually can really help you get the burst of creative energy that you need the next day to be on your game, you know, and it's much better to do that than to be kind of like fighting through the fog for several days in a row. Just give up, walk away (laughs) (laughs) Um, and do nothing. And again, I'm, I'm constantly trying to take my own advice in this realm. I love that. Um, There's a book, I think I've recommended it before on other episodes, but it's called Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu. And she talks about, um, you know, how women, especially mothers, juggle, you know, marriage, parenthood and a career. And one thing that she mentioned that really stuck with me is to look at everything you're doing on a regular basis and decide whether or not you actually have to do that. Because I know for me, I put all these tasks on myself that really don't matter. And they cause me to not be able to relax and and do nothing like what we're talking about. Like email as an example. I always used to pride myself on answering emails really quickly And then a couple summers ago, I just decided not to. I mean, I would answer, you know, maybe within the week or if it didn't need an answer, really, I just wouldn't answer. I'd stop replying thanks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened. You know, the sky didn't fall down. So is there anything that you found that you were 
feeling guilty for not doing or maybe just pushing through and doing it when it really didn't matter? Well, I had a very similar uh, email, you know, um, situation as you. And I wrote about this in my second book and get your shit together, which is that I also was a compulsive replier. You know, I was on it. I wanted people to know that I was, you know, (laughs) working hard over here on the other end of my email inbox. And it winds up creating an astronomical volume of messages that are totally unnecessary to your life and to the lives Mm -hmm. of everybody else. So I have um, a whole chapter in Get Your Shit Together devoted to kind of unlearning that aspect of compulsive responding and also just of a sort of compulsive sending. You know, there's just a lot of things that you don't need to put out into the world because if you think them through for two seconds, you're going to realize that they're not important. You can ask that question in person. You can ask it the next time you see somebody. You don't need to add an email to the world, you know, because it's just going to invite a reply that's going to land in your inbox. So I have definitely really, really, really relaxed my attitude toward email. I'm still professional. I still get back to people you know, in what I think is a, is a suitable time frame, but it doesn't have to be immediate, you know, every minute of the day, because that takes you that kind of um, consistent attention, whether it's to your laptop or your phone takes you out of all of the other things that you could be doing. It makes, you know, I make this point actually and get your shit together that there's no such thing as multitasking. You really can't do two things at once. And if you are, then you're not doing either one of them well. Um, And, you know, if you're constantly clicking into your email inbox and responding to things, then that's taking you out of whatever other task or just whatever other enjoyment, whatever other, you know, relaxing thing you might be trying to do, spending the day with your family at an amusement park. Um, If you're checking your phone all the time, then you're not doing either of these things properly and well. So I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And with email, that's also making me think like, is there anything else, you know, kind of in your home life, not necessarily at work that you're doing that doesn't really matter? I mean, I I feel like with dishes, I feel like I always have to get the dishes done and the, the sink always has to be clear. And of course, the dishes are important, but does it really matter if if I just sit on the couch tonight instead of doing the dishes? <laughs> Well, for me, I really, I have to have a really sort of clean and clear environment. Uh, it's part of my my anxiety is like, I need my my environment to be mm-hmm. just ship shape. So, uh, so for me, I do, I actually really enjoy cleaning. So that's not really something that I could, that I could give up uh, <laughs> to, to <laughs> like a different or better life. But I think that one of the things that I've tried to relax into, particularly in the last five years that I've been living in the Dominican Republic, is this uh, this enforced tranquility that happens when you live in a place like this, especially coming from New York City, where I can't be so rigid about knowing what tasks I'm going to accomplish in any given day that are in any way dependent on somebody or something other than me that are out of my control. Because Mm -hmm. for example, anything that I might want to get done around the house is dependent on the weather. If it's pouring rain, my half of my house is outside. Um, So, you know, I, I can't, uh, you know, clean those, those sunshades or whatever, if it's pouring rain for three days, if that was on my Monday to do list, it's going to have to move until the next day that the sun comes out. Um, Similarly, anything that we need to get repaired around here, it's like 
maybe the guy will come. Maybe he won't. <laughs> you know, we just had a little roof work that we had to get done. And um, it happened about 10 days after it was supposed to. So, you know, there are things that I put on my to-do list that are within my control. And I actually like having a clear sink. It helps me walk into the kitchen and feel like everything looks tidy. And then I can think clearly myself. But I can't be so dependent on um, accomplishing tasks that are impacted by outside forces. And that's something that I really had to, because in New York, you can just, you can get anything at any time of the night or day, you can get it delivered to your door, you can go, you can walk one block in either direction and find a tool that you need, um, an ingredient that you need, a a plumber that you need, you know, you can, yeah. you, you have all of this. And I used to be very rigid about, you know, okay, Monday is the day that we're going to get the toilet fixed and make the appointment and the guy's going to come and we're going to get it done. And like here, I'm just like, well, I can't put that on my Monday list because <laughs> I just, you know, I can't beat myself up over it or be be anxious or sort of frustrated if it's not going to get done. I have to understand that things are very fluid. So that's something that in terms of like my personal life, I've just had to really focus on things I can control. And this is something I actually call the one question to rule them all from my book, Calm the Fuck Down. Can I control it? And if the mm. answer is no, you have to let it go. That's such a good point. And that makes me think of, you know, the the pandemic and COVID. I mean, there's so many things that we can't control. And right when it started, everything shut down and it was literally like, we, this just isn't happening. When before, if you tried to explain how the world was basically going to shut down and put us all into, you know, a lockdown. Um, nobody would have thought that it would actually happen, you know, because of capitalism and business and the economy, but it had to. And so that's really interesting to bring up the point about you can only control what you can control because especially living through the pandemic, and I know we're still in it, makes me just think about it. It really puts that into perspective, like things that you know, might have made me feel frustrated or feel like I wasn't productive if they actually are hinging on an external force like the pandemic or like a contractor being late or something like that, you know, it, I really should just put it in the back of my mind because it's it's out of my control. Yeah, I definitely think this last year and a half has been a real um, eye-opener for a lot of people on that front. And it's going to continue to be, you know, for for quite a while, I think in the future. And fortunately, fortunately for me personally, I had been working on that aspect of my, uh, of my anxiety well before the pandemic year started. Not that, um, not that it didn't get, you know, worse and, and more challenging as that time went on. But I do think if people can remember that one question to rule them all, can I control it? If the answer is no, you got to let it go. And if you do have control over the situation or part of the situation, then that's what you focus your time and energy on, you know, that's the thing that you can affect change in. And if you, and if there's something that you can't do, then it really would behoove you to just let it go. Yeah, that's so true. What about dealing with other people? Because I found that um, like if my husband doesn't fix something fast enough or clean up his laundry, I get very frustrated because if it was me, I would have done it. And, and so I'd love to hear your insight on on that idea of, of letting go of what you can't control when it comes to maybe people you work with or someone you live with or a friendship or family member. 
Yeah, um, I get this form of question a lot. Uh, I do a, an audio advice column once a month on my podcast called You Asked For It. And I get a lot of questions uh, from women about this type of relationship dynamic with their husbands or boyfriends. So I'm sure there's something to be said for for a kind of um, gender-based uh, uh, you know, pattern here, but, um, but just to speak for myself, you know, I think it's really important to communicate clearly, whether it's with a partner or a coworker or your own kids, um, or your mother-in-law, you know, it's important to say, this is how I do this thing. I understand that you do it differently, but the way you do it affects me. Um, Mm -hmm. and you give the other person the opportunity to say, well, the way you do it adversely affects me. Uh, if you're in any kind of relationship, particularly a romantic one, and particularly if you live together, there are going to have to be compromises. And my husband and I have been together for 20 years. We know each other very well. He understands that I get, you know, annoyed about, I think the trash is full a little bit before he thinks it's full. (laughs) You know, I get annoyed by stuff that's supposed to be taken out to the recycling a day before he gets annoyed by it. Um, And the way that I think you can best express these kinds of issues to your significant other, um, sort of in the parlance of my of my no fucks given guides, I talk about your fuck budget and your time, energy, and money are your fuck bucks, and you you spend them the way you see fit. And if the other person's fuck budget is different than yours, then you have to accept that. But what you could say is, is it worth it to you, husband? Um, to do this a day or two before you otherwise would have done it because it means so much to me. Like it would be really helpful to me if you would spend some of your fuck budget on making me less anxious about the laundry or making me less anxious about the trash going out or the car getting fixed or, you know, whatever it is where you guys diverge in terms of what you think is important or not. Um, I am also very happy to do things that my husband doesn't want to do. I do all of the laundry, but he does all of the cooking. Um, so, you know, there's there's just, there's a lot in relationships in terms of balance and, and give and take. But if there's something that's really bothering one or both of you, I think putting it in terms of not just, oh, you don't care about the laundry and I do care about the laundry, but saying, do you care about me? Because the way you're handling the laundry is really, really upsetting to me. And if you can't say that, with sincerity and a straight face, if it's not so upsetting to you that you're willing to play that card, then I think you probably just need to do the laundry and let him do the stuff that you don't like. Yeah, that's so true. And that's a good point. You know, balancing things that you don't mind doing and then the the other person does the other thing. And I that that made me think too, as you were talking, like I think sometimes in relationships and just me personally, and I, I know I'm just speaking for myself, but sometimes I'll attach meaning to actions that don't really matter. So, you know, going back to, you know, what we're talking about doing nothing, I think for a long time, I thought, oh, that means that I'm lazy. um, And that means that I'm not productive, when really, I don't need to attach a meaning to, you know, sitting on the couch. And I think the same goes for um, household tasks, like I mentioned, like the laundry, to me, it means, oh, he doesn't care that it bothers me, but really I'm attaching a meaning to it that isn't there. And I think it's important to even just be aware of that because often just being aware of the fact that, oh, I'm I'm letting this bother me when it really doesn't matter can make a huge difference. Yeah. Or you're assigning a meaning to his 
you know, you think he's sitting there going, I don't even care if it bothers her. I'm just not going to do it. He's probably not thinking that at all. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. I love that. Um, Okay. Well, I think uh, we're about to our time and I loved speaking with you and I, I love to hear, you know, any parting words you have for our audience about doing nothing and how that can really help your creativity and just to be a better overall balanced person. Well, what I would tell your listeners is the same thing that I tell myself day in and day out, (laughs) that me time is a right, not a privilege. Uh, And if that means sitting on the couch, staring into space, if that means (laughs) taking a walk on the beach, if that means reading a novel, um, then you are entitled to do that. And furthermore, it will stand you in good stead to take that me time and do or not do whatever you want with it, because it will replenish your energy reserves uh, for the future so that you can be the best person, the best employee, boss, parent, sibling, partner um, that you can be because you will have been able to avoid burnout um, and really just allowed yourself to recalibrate and refresh by doing nothing uh, or by doing a thing that you might have previously considered equal to nothing, such as reading a book or sunbathing, um, but that you can attach this uh, value to of replenishing your self. And, you know, that self-care really is a productive task in and of itself. So I would remind people of that, um, that, you know, me time is a right, not a privilege, and you have to pencil it in so that you can, you know, live your life in a way that makes you feel as good as possible and not guilty for not accomplishing certain things. You are, in fact, accomplishing making yourself feel good. <laughs> yes, love that. Good ending words. So if people want to learn more about your books or your podcast or just more about you, where can they find you online? My website is nofucksgivenguides.com, and that will take you to all of the information about my books. There are five of them, my journals, my calendar, my podcast, all of the articles I've ever written on all kinds of subjects that we've talked about today. And uh, yeah, and you can find me on social media from there as well and sign up for my No Fucks Given newsletter from that site, nofucksgivenguides.com. Love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. And to everyone else, thank you for listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Story Shout Podcast. Don't forget to review us on iTunes and connect with us on social media at Story Shout or online at storyshout.co. Until next time, stay normal.